0: hello 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 everyone why do i feel like i'm talking super loud (laughs) welcome back to money away i think it's just because i'm in a quiet area quiet neighborhood and it's morning and it's beautiful my name is larry morrison i am the financial shaman out for a walk on a gorgeous morning in summer but when you're a stone's throw from the ocean it's nice and cool so Ah, hopefully you're doing well and you're imagining me being on a walk with me and letting me rant at you a little bit. Um, Today, so you're going to hear background noise and whatever from cars and stuff. We try to get to areas that don't have a lot of background noise, but people are off to work this morning, so bright and early for the daily races, right? Right? (laughs) going nowhere. Um, Today, for all of you entrepreneurs out there or people who have found their hearts calling and eventually want to become entrepreneurial with it because, of course, to bring your talents and gifts to market is to become an entrepreneur... To give your gift to the world you need to make money from it Um, you need to receive money from it I've gone off on before on what it means to be a sellout which is a complete fabrication born of limiting beliefs that you can't make money doing what you love or you have to work hard for money and therefore doing something that comes easy to you would be selling out we're not going to talk about that Because at this point, if you don't realize that the best way for your gift to be exposed to the world is through entrepreneurship, then I can't help you very much there. I would suggest going back and re-listening from the beginning to now, if you haven't, um, if if that's what you're coming up against. To be an entrepreneur, is someone who believes in themselves, believes in their gifts and abilities, and believes that Source will provide for them. Not only that, believes that the inspiration to strike out on your own or, or become an entrepreneur is born from the creator of all things. You can't be inspired to create whatever it is you're put on this earth to do and think that the universe doesn't have a path if not several paths for you to make that happen. Basically, as I've said many times, to have inspiration you must also believe that you have a powerful ally who implanted that inspiration into you and therefore has a way and wants that inspiration to become reality. If you've listened to me at all or understand what I'm about, then uh, I am very much about helping, I always wanna say young, new entrepreneurs, Um, Or experienced entrepreneurs who maybe have run into some snags or having trouble or um, want to create something new and don't know how to get out of the pattern they're in. Um, Or helping people that have never even thought about being an entrepreneur become one. So the reason for that is not only because I am one... And have been for over a decade. But I truly believe, and if you let this sink in, it could change your life. I truly believe, in my opinion, that entrepreneurship is one of the best ways to become enlightened. Entrepreneurship is one of the best ways to become enlightened. My spiritual and personal growth exploded exponentially when I became an entrepreneur. It was like having the rubber meet the road. It was like talking about spirituality and putting it into practice. Every business meeting, every time I spoke about what I was doing, every day, every single thing expanded me. To learn how to listen, how to sell, how to talk, how to promote yourself, how to be master your craft, how to market. I mean, how to refer and become referral partners and, and make friends within the space and how to not feel... That you have competition, even though you might be in an industry saturated with people doing the same thing that you're doing. There is so much to learn in the entrepreneurship world. It can feel overwhelming at first, which is why I plan at this moment. Here we are mid-July, not mid-July, excuse me, end of July. Actually, it's August 1st today that I'm recording this. Um, So what are we? (laughs) A little over halfway through the year, not quite two-thirds of 22. Toward the end of 22, I'm going to make a course on entrepreneurship to cut down the confusion and streamline getting people from a dream or a heart's calling to taking action. And the major crux of that issue of taking the action or refining the actions is what we're going to talk about today. The major crux of entrepreneurship. I thought this was going to be a non-busy street because when I drove down it it wasn't busy at all but I think it's the time of day. It's just this is when everybody's off to work. Anyway, okay, you ready? What is the main issue you have to deal with when becoming or being an entrepreneur? The paradox of entrepreneurship that (laughs) when you understand it, oh, man, has this thing caused me so much issues, but I'm grateful, I'm grateful, it brought me to where I am today. The paradox of entrepreneurship is this. You have to believe that you will succeed without having any evidence of success to begin with. You have to believe you're going to succeed without having any evidence of success to begin with. And every single failure that you experience in entrepreneurship toward your heart's calling will bring you to success. Except the only evidence you have is failure. It's like, it can feel like gambling. Uh, after living in Vegas for four years, I know a few things about gambling. Um, When you're gambling, let's say you're playing blackjack or something, or poker, roulette, or whatever, but poker and roulette are a little different, but let's just say you're playing blackjack or slots, and you keep... Like, let's just keep it with blackjack. You keep losing hands every time in a row. There's not even a break to get, to get a, like, it's not just like, oh, I lost two hands, I won one, I lost two hands, I won one. It's like every single one you're losing. When do you stop and either change tables or quit the game or cut your losses? And how do you keep going when the only evidence you have is failure? You know that success is possible because otherwise you wouldn't play the game. There would be no game to play. You see other people winning, possibly even at the same table as you. You know it's possible, but for some reason, all the evidence you have is that you're failing. Loss after loss after loss after loss. And you might think, well... I'll just stay until I run out of money. But that's not what happens in your mind. If you, had a, if you sat down with $100, and if you've never gambled, this isn't promoting gambling, it's just an analogy to um, talk about the thinking process that goes on with entrepreneurship. If you sat down with $100 to a blackjack table, and let's say the bets are, I don't know, $5 a piece, so you have 20 bets, essentially. Most people... After they lose about five to seven hands in a row are going to seriously stop and go, do I want to risk the rest of the money? Even if they decided when they sat down to play the whole hundred dollars, it's the in a row part that you're like, ah, uh, your mind, your mind starts playing tricks on you. You're like, maybe, maybe I should just sit out one hand or two hands. Some tables, most tables let you sit down a couple hands, but some have strict rules about like, anyway, that doesn't matter. What should, you know, your, your mind starts running into scarcity and worry. What's fascinating about this, and this is, you could totally Google game theory if you wanted to, and really, we could dive into game theory if you wanted to, and we might actually a little bit here today. Because this is all what I'm talking about is a little bit a little bit of game theory. But the mechanics of game theory, when it comes to gambling, people want to feel the, they are willing to give up the money for nothing in return. That's gambling. If they feel they've been entertained long enough. So essentially, what most casinos and... Um, well, let's just keep it like that. What, what most casinos will do and new game designers is what I was going to say in, within gambling, will do is to figure out games that give you the illusion and odds that you're going to win, but will slowly erode the money in a way that makes people feel comfortable losing. Most people will be like, oh yeah, I lost 100 bucks at the tables, but I got two hours of entertainment. I'm okay with that. That's how most people think. And the game designers know this, so, and, and so do the dealers. The dealers don't want you to bust out. They know they're going to get tipped better if you're, making, if you're, if you're winning. Now, the, the contradiction with being a dealer is they know they're going to get tipped more if you're winning, but they'll lose their job if, if they don't win at least 51% of the time, at least in blackjack. So the house has to make money. A house has to win. But the dealer doesn't win... If you don't win. So that's why being a dealer kind of sucks. Because if you're a great dealer, then what does that mean? What does it mean to be a great dealer? What does it mean to be good at your job at a blackjack dealer? Does it mean you make a lot of money for the house? Or does it mean you make a lot of money for the customers? Or does it mean you make a lot of money for yourself? Ideally, you do all three, but how is that possible? Somebody's got to lose, right? Right? Anyway, so the understanding when it comes to blackjack, specifically, is you want to to lose slowly. If you lose too fast, you just walk away. Most people just be like, okay, and this is me included. If you ever play blackjack with me and all of my craziness when it comes to that game... Like, I, I like to feel it out. I like to watch the table. I like to get a feel for the dealer. I obviously have to listen to my heart. I have to understand where I am in the game of life and what my mentality is going to sit down, right? Who I'm playing with and why. And I don't gamble a lot anymore because, again, I lived in Vegas. And I kind of got it all out of my system, so to speak. But um, if I'm the same way. If I sat down to a table wanted about a hundred dollars, five bucks a hand, and I lost five hands in a row, I would immediately go, I don't think I want to play this hand. Or I don't want to I want to take a break or I want to change tables or whatever. It's very difficult for most people to just sit there and watch their money go away. Now if they lose a couple hands, win a couple hands, lose a couple hands, win a couple, and it goes back and forth like this, and then over the course of an hour or two they lose all the money. That's different. Because they got the entertainment. They got the roller coaster of emotion that a windfall or a loss could bring. Right? So, going back to the analogy, let's say you are sitting there and you're losing and you've lost, like, let's say you've lost seven hands in a row. How many people do you think there are going to sit there and, and stay until all of it is gone? The only evidence you have is failure. Why would you keep going? This is the crux of entrepreneurship. The difference, the main difference between the gambling analogy of blackjack and entrepreneurship is that it only takes one win in entrepreneurship to become successful. Well, it takes a lot of wins in gambling. Unless you're you know, betting the whole bankroll on one bet or something like that. So you could have seven, you know, five, seven, 10, 20 failures in entrepreneurship. But the 21st one that's a success, you're done. You're, it, it blows up. It's a success. So you win. Do you see the problem here? How do you keep going? when the only evidence you have is failure? How do you keep the faith when the only evidence you see is failure? You could look to other people and say, well, Larry did it, you know, only took 11 fucking years of failing to figure all this shit out. But if someone else did it, I can do it too. That's a way to go. You could do it that way. For sure. You're looking for evidence of success outside of you. But the ego will always bring you back to, yeah, but that's them. I mean, you might have even heard it in your head when I said that. Example of, well, Larry did it. Yeah, but that's him. I don't know that I could do it too. Right? So... How the, the main question you have to ask yourself with this paradox is how do I keep the faith that I will succeed? Because you have to have, you know, you have to believe in yourself that you're going to succeed to set out on this journey of entrepreneurship with having zero evidence. So, how do I keep the faith while having zero evidence of success? And, and on top of that, having only evidence of failure if you've been doing it a while. There's two ways to approach, well, there's more than two. There's more than two ways. There are two ways we're going to approach this on this podcast today. And you might find ways that work better, a combination of ways or whatever. But the two ways I approach it and the two ways I'm going to tell you to approach it is one, we're going to redefine failure. What failure is and what failure means. And two, we're going to talk about faith. Okay. Let's start with faith. What is going on? I feel like... Loud noises are following me. A street sweeper and a garbage man and someone redoing the roof right here. Okay, here we go. Loud noises! All right. So let's start with redefining or, or defining faith. And if you were like me and grew up in the church, then that word has been bastardized and and reduced to thinking about Christ when it comes to faith, Um, let that go. Let that go. Faith simply means that you trust your heart. Faith is trust. And I know I've gone off on what it means to trust. It means a bridge over fear. So you can't have trust or faith without fear. That is true. You, never, you don't have faith that the sun's going to come up tomorrow, you just know it's going to. So, But until you can get to a place where you know everything's going to work out, you have to have faith. Until you can get to a place where you know. See, the reason you know the sun's going to come up tomorrow is because you have a ton of fucking evidence your whole life that it's going to come up tomorrow. But having faith would require, in this instance, when it comes to entrepreneurship, in that same analogy with the sun, would be born into nighttime and only seeing nighttime your entire life, but your heart is telling you the sun's going to come up, something you've never seen before in, for you in your life because of the success of entrepreneurship. Being born into night, being born into darkness, never having seen the sun, your heart is telling you that it's going to come up and you have to keep pretending or telling yourself that it's going to come up even though the only evidence you have is darkness. That's the difference. So faith requires you to look beyond the evidence and trust your heart over the physical senses. It's like, what is going on? (laughs) I was walking this neighborhood last night fucking dead. Completely dead. Like I thought it was a ghost town. Uh, For some reason, they're all morning people, apparently. Okay. So. (sighs) Where was I? So faith is required because all of the evidence you see is to the contrary with your physical senses. You're born in darkness and you're told the sun is coming up by your heart. And you're like, I don't even know what the fucking sun looks like. I've never even seen it. That's the faith that is required. Is to... Believe the heart over the physical senses. If you've never had success or you're just starting out in entrepreneurship or like me, you've had a ton of failures to lead to success. You have to ignore the failures. You have to ignore the evidence in the physical reality and keep believing that what your heart says is the truth. Do you see the, the task? Do you see the gargantuan challenge that you're up against with being an entrepreneur? Zero evidence. Actually, evidence to the contrary. That you have to disbelieve and believe your heart and believe that you can figure this out. So how do you cultivate faith? When you're born in darkness and only see darkness. When you're born in failure and only see failure. Or when you're born in lack of success, really. That's not, you're not born into failure. You're born into lack of success. You're just born neutral, right? With no evidence of success when you start out. So, you're born neutral. You're trying to get to positive, which is success. But as soon as you start, you know that you're only going to see negative. You're only going to see failure. You're only going to be in darkness. And you have to believe that your heart, that it implanted with you, this vision of your talents and gifts and abilities to be exposed or put out there into the world and that will be received well. You have to have that faith even though you've never seen it. So how do you cultivate faith? There are only two ways that I've found to do this. One that serves and one that doesn't. The first way is you attach. You attach to the vision of your success. To attach means what? It means two things. One, you cannot be happy without it. And two, if it leaves, you're upset. That's what it means to attach. So since you've never had it, you don't have to worry about it leaving. So to attach to it, you have to say, I cannot be happy without it. I will not rest until this is done. I am going to go all in, all out, and make this thing happen. You essentially bring in force, because attachment re- force requires attachment, and motivation. Motivation does not serve anyone, because it requires attachment. You lose flexibility and petrify and know this is the way we're going to do it. You let go of how Source is working through your life and you want to co-create with Source. You're not co-creating, you're saying, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to force a square peg into a round hole and fuck anybody else and everything else. This is going to work. I'm going to do it until it works. Motivation doesn't serve you. Not only because it requires attachment, but because you put your blinders on and don't see any other way of things happening. You essentially lose abundance and use scarcity. (sighs) I have rent to pay. And I am attached to making rent so therefore i'm going to go get a job that's the only way i can make rent do you see it you've cut off the other ways of abundance to only money only a job you've lost all other ways that you could basically trade something whether that be time or not, or money or not, you have lost all other ways that you can exchange for your housing expense. Plus, you're attached to making rent, which means you're attached to living in your same place. If the universe wanted you to leave that place, you're now attached. You Attachment breeds scarcity. You judge yourself and say, I am only good enough if this one thing works out. This is why motivation is dangerous, because it requires attachment. And you literally blind yourself to all the other ways you can co-create with Source. You're not co-creating, actually. You're trying to force your creation into physical reality. And unfortunately, sometimes that works. Unfortunately, sometimes that works. Why do I say unfortunately? Just like I talked about on the last podcast with worry. If it works, now you're trapped into thinking that this is the way to do things. I have to get motivated. I have to see my vision come to pass and make it happen. No one who thinks that way ever stops and goes, what does Source want? What does my heart want? Is there a better way than the one I envision? No one ever looks at their imagination as limited. When you're motivated. Your imagination can only be based on things you've thought about in the past. Or experienced in the past. It has... Even though imagination can do a lot, it is limited. But you don't know that when you're motivated. What's even more fascinating is... You don't even realize who's the one that made the strategy or the plan... That you're motivating yourself to go get what I mean is let's go back to the rent analogy who the fuck told you you need to make rent well that maybe that may be a little too too spiritual let's dial it back who told you you need to make a job you have to go get a job to make rent that's a little better who told you that was your only option And why are you so attached to that way? Who put that in you? See, when you're motivated, you don't question anything. You see one strategy, one path, and you're trying to make that one way happen. You don't see abundance, you see one way. If you see only one perception, what does that mean? you're brainwashed you only have one perception of something it means you're brainwashed multiple perceptions abundance begins with multiple perceptions abundance begins with an abundance of perceptions there's multiple ways to accomplish a given thing how do you know that your way that you're motivated to create is the best way you don't so who put it in you and why are you attached to doing it that way these are the questions you don't ask when you're motivated. How many motivated people do you know that never stop and, that never stop and ask themselves why they're doing something? Because... Asking yourself why you're doing something would dissuade you from your motivation and therefore make it less likely for the path that you have carved out in your mind and your imagination to come true. Think about it like this. Let's use different analogies. (laughs) Let's say, let's imagine high school. Let's imagine high school. And let's imagine that you're smitten or forming a crush on someone. Or it's not you, it's you're watching it play out. <clears throat> you know, it's your kids or cousins or it's a TV show. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just imagine high school and imagine someone who's crushing on someone else. And then let's imagine they get attached to the idea that that person is the only one that makes it, will make them happy. At least in high school. Maybe not in life. They're like, I can't be happy without that person. Oh, is so-and-so gonna go to that party? Who's so-and-so taking to the dance? And you're constantly fueling this idea that that's the person, or they're constantly fueling this idea that that's the person that will make them happy. So they're attached. And now they're motivated to either do one of two things. Become the match that the other person wants, which is like every fucking high school movie or drama you will ever see. Oh, I crush on that person. What are they like? I need to be like that. Uh, what? You need to be different than who you actually are? So you're not good enough now? So what does that do? That limits the options, and it makes you not be yourself. And if you were yourself, you would align with someone who was perfectly aligned with you. But now you're trying to be someone else to get that person because you're attached to it. And now you're motivated to make it happen. The other thing that that people do is just stay in the crush and never actually take any action to make it real. So that way, their not good enough story can be realized. They never voice their want for the person to anyone, or definitely not to that person. Or anyone that could make it happen or help make it happen. They just stay in, I'm not good enough, I could never get with that person. He or she is the basketball, you know, head captain or whatever. And I'm a nerd or or whatever it is. So they see themselves below the station. They see themselves as unequal or unmatched and just stay not good enough. Who does that help? Both of those help the ego feed the not good enough story. Because one says you have to be different, essentially, again, forcing a square peg into a round hole. You have to be different to get the thing that you want. You're not good enough now. And all of that crushing started with attachment. This is the person. And I had a bunch of crushes in high school, so I think I have pretty decent... I, I didn't have... I, I never had a relationship till I was 19, till the year after high school. So my high school experience when it came to love was very, uh... Crushy? I don't know if that's a word. <clears throat> so... Um, They both require attachment to this is the person that would make me the most happy. How do you know? Because of how they look? Because of how they hacked? Because of their clothes? How do you know that's the person that would make you the most happy? Do you see that it requires an attachment to scarcity? And it requires a judgment that this would be the best person. How do you know that? How do you know that a job would be the best way to make rent? How do you know that? You don't, but you're attached to it. And then you get motivated to make that thing the reality. Instead of taking a step back and going, wait, how do I know that this is the best way? Is this, did my heart make this up? Wouldn't it be better to look at multiple ways just in case? Because abundance starts with abundance of perceptions, right? So... This way of having faith through attachment and motivation needs to dissolve. It needs to shift to the, because it doesn't serve. It doesn't serve you to get to where you want to go because it limits you. It's basically getting you where you want to go through scarcity, which will never work. If you're limited in your options... You're limited in your thinking, always remember that. Okay, the shift that my course will help people make, and I'm gonna help people make, and I do help people make right now, when I work with people, is to determination. When you get attached to your vision of how things should go, you don't know who put it in you. So the first thing, the first thing we have to do is let go of any attachment to how this thing should go and if this thing is for real. And shift to what does my heart say? To have the heart be the ultimate guide and when you know your heart's calling, you have to let go of motivation. Because when the heart's calling reveals itself, it could be easy to be like, oh, this is the thing I'm going to create. My heart says I'm going to be a whatever, an energy healer, right? Or a Reiki master or a yoga teacher or whatever it is, an artist. I don't care what it is. A musician could be anything. I don't care. An actor. Maybe you want to be a financial shaman like yours truly. Right? And you're like, my heart said this is the thing I'm put on earth to do. Yay! Woo! I found it. That's awesome. And then you attach to it and say, this is the only way I could be happy is when this thing comes about. So all the time it takes to get there is going to be painful. Why would your heart's calling be painful? Why would you want it to be? You put your heart's calling in the happiness equation, and now it has power over your life in a way that was never meant to be that way. It's meant to be a guide on a journey, a north star, if you will. That's all, but the journey is everything. The destination is very a very, very small part. Important part, nonetheless, for sure. But a small part of the journey. So we substitute attachment or shift from attachment and then motivation to the heart's calling and determination, understanding, That happiness is here and now. Everything is okay on this journey. You can be happy on the journey to your heart's calling. And determination is very simple. It's not, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this thing. Determination is, I'm going to outlast all of the failure. I'm going to outlast the process that it takes to mold me into the vibrational match to the heart's calling. Imagine you're a piece of rough iron and you need to be molded into a sword. That process is going to take time. It's going to take... If you're the metal, if metal can feel, it's going to take some pain because you're going to get, you know, hammered on. But you need to be molded, sculpted, if you will, into that thing. And the journey is what does that. The between oh, I know what my heart's calling is, to being the full-blown master of it, that is the molding process. That entire journey is making you the vibrational match to the heart's calling. Again, if you're an energy healer, you don't think, oh, my heart's calling is to be an energy healer. You don't think, I'm going to be a mediocre one. Because if you did, that would be kind of... That would obviously be the ego talking to you. would be kind of silly. No, you would think I want to be a full-blown master of that. Or I want to be the best at that. Or, or my best. Because, you, you know, if you say I want to be the best, you don't want to compare yourself to anybody else. So, to become the master of that thing is obviously going to take time and energy and failure. You're going to have to make a shitload of perfect mistakes. Just like learning to walk or ride a bike or anything you've learned. Learning math. I don't care how good you are at math. You've got to know that you're a lot better than when you started. Even if you hate math and only could do multiplication. And only up to 10. I don't know. Without pulling out a calculator. It's still better than when you started in kindergarten or first grade you're still much more of a master of it than you were in the beginning. And if you're super into math and you're into finance like I am and you're doing complex shit, obviously you can see that took a lot of time to master that skill. So why would this be any different? Why would we want to shortcut that process unless we were attached to the outcome attached to how it should look and wanting to get there faster. You wanna get there faster because you believe you're not happy without that thing. Or that you can't be, I, I, I'm not happy until I'm a master of my heart's calling. That's handing over your power to the ego or to your programming or what you wanna say. Because now your happiness is controlled by something that's external to you. The shift is to go toward the heart's calling. Being happy now. Being happy in the process. Loving the process of being molded to be matched to that vibration. Not looking at the gap from where you are now to where you wanna be. And determination simply means every single time I fail, every single time I fall down, I get right back up and start again. It means you never stop. You never stop. Essentially, going back to the gambling analogy of the blackjack table, essentially you say, because remember, in this analogy, it only takes one win, which is different than blackjack. Entrepreneurship only takes one win. So, to go back to the analogy of gambling, determination would say I'm gonna sit down here and I don't care how much I lose I'm gonna keep playing it's not I'm gonna keep playing until I run out of money it's I'm gonna keep playing until I die that's determination because you know it only takes one And you're saying, I'm going to outlast this process, which aligns you with your eternal nature. You are eternal. The story of you, of being human, is not. If you want to say the body's not eternal, you can, depending on your perception of it. Determination says, I will never stop. Every single failure is there to drive you inside. To clean your perception. To mold you. I failed at real estate. I did. I mean, we're going to change the definition of failure in a little bit. But... If I was to die today, I would have failed at real estate. Technically, I didn't fail, because I made really good money. And it it depends on how you measure success, I guess. But it was a failure because I burnt myself out. I got burnout. That was my first burnout in in, in life, really. Besides being burnout on fucking school. Um, I was burnt out. I was somewhat burnt out on electrical, but the the, uh, the universe um, took care of that for me. Real estate, though, I burnt myself out. I was literally like, I'm done. And that's after making a shitload of money. I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it anymore. But it drove me inside. After that failure, I went on this giant spiritual, like, learning mission. This journey. This giant spiritual journey. That was when I I became homeless for the first time. On purpose. I was like, I'm so scared. And this was actually after I had a shitload of money. I'm so scared being homeless, I'm just going to put all my stuff in storage and go be homeless. And a ton of personal growth came from that. I'm not telling anybody to do that. That was my journey to face my boogeyman. And of course, just to be sure, the universe made me do it again later on. So. Anywho. All failures are meant to drive you inside. Because... If you're trying to force a square peg into a round hole in physical reality, it'll never work. So you keep banging your head against the wall until you go inside and say, what am I doing to block my wealth? What am I doing to block my success? What am I doing or thinking that is causing this self-sabotage? Or maybe said better, Am I doing anything that's causing this self-sabotage? Or is it just, you know, to go back to real estate, is it just that I am in the wrong market? Or am I doing what is causing the failure? And eventually that question will force you inside to be in, to say what am I doing that's causing this? And you don't stop right there. You don't stop and say, "Well, it's my fault, so I'm just going to stop." You have to answer the question and then work on it. What am I doing? that's causing this every failure forces you inside that is why i believe in my opinion and yes i am biased because this is how i found enlightenment this is how i found who i really am is through money and entrepreneurship in my opinion this is the best way to go about it because how many other where else does success require so much introspection Sports, maybe, sure. But I mean, how many people can reach the top and pinnacle of sports enough to have that kind of introspection? Not many, but entrepreneurship is open to everybody. It requires so much introspection. It requires you to go back to the drawing board with whatever it is you're trying to create and evolve it, but also evolve you. You. It's the molding process, is to bang your head against the wall and go, okay, another failure. What did, I, what did I do wrong? What can I learn from that? Right? There's a great saying out there. I think it is attributed to sports, but it's something like you either win or you learn. It's not you win or you lose. You win or you learn. What did I do wrong? How can I do it better next time? But if you don't have the determination, there is no next time. If you don't say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to keep going until I figure this shit out. That's how you fail, is when you stop. Remember this always. Failure, the word requires stopping. Like, if you failed at a game, it would require an end. Failure requires an end to whatever it is. Right? The Boston Celtics failed to win the NBA championship because there was only a set amount of time in each game and only a set amount of games in the series. There had to be a stop, an end. But here's the thing. There is no end to you. Therefore, how could you fail? If you stop. That's the only way. Failure is quitting. Otherwise... It's all just learning. You're learning what not to do. The famous thing about Thomas Edison, whether, however you think about the man, and yes, I do believe he ripped off a bunch of fucking people and became a narcissist and all that shit, but I do, invent, I do believe he invented the light bulb. And one of his famous things that he said... When asked, you know, how many tries did it take? So like was like, like 2,000 tries. All he, he said was like, I learned 2,000 ways how not to make a light bulb. I knew it was possible. And so I was determined and just kept trying over and over and failing over and over again. That's just part of the learning process. This is part of the learning process. How many times did you fall down before you learned to walk? You don't remember because you were a baby or a toddler. But I'm I'm betting a lot. Most people do. But we don't shame ourselves. We don't think it's not possible. And we see everybody else walking upright. That's another reason why it keeps going, like, if you, if 90% of the world were successful entrepreneurs, (laughs) which I get doesn't make sense, just, (laughs) just hold on for a second, it's just an analogy, right, if 90% of the world, it doesn't make sense because you have to have employees at some point, (laughs) if 90% of the world, or machines are doing it, there's a, there, there, okay, Let's say we get to the point where machines can do everything. 90% of the world are entrepreneurs and telling the machines what to do. It would be way easier to be like, I could do that too, because 90% of the world is doing it. Right? Since we all see everybody walking upright, it's easy to say, oh, I could do that too. Failure requires you to stop. if you're never gonna stop, if you sit at that blackjack table and say, I'm gonna play until I die, then the only way that you fail is not if you die before success. No, that's not it. Because you could have another life and another chance at this. The only way you fail is if you stop playing. Otherwise, you're just learning. It's just the learning process, that's all it is. You can never be a failure if you continue to evolve and learn and that is exactly what entrepreneurship does. The paradox, remember, that started this was you have to believe in success when you start out. You have to believe that the universe put in you an inspiration, a heart's calling and made at least one way, even though there's probably a shitload, at least one way for that thing that it wants and you want, because it's very rare, almost never happens I've never seen it happen where you get a heart's calling and you're like, oh I don't want to do that no one, no one says that it's usually like, holy shit you mean, you want me to be that thing? I can make money, I can master that? that's amazing, let's do that So you have to believe that that inspiration and that heart's calling was put into you for a reason and that it's possible. Not only possible, but probable because you have the universe who put it in you and is, essentially, in control of everything. So you have the most powerful ally on your side helping you make this thing reality. The paradox is you have to believe in success and that success is possible for you with zero evidence and that every failure is leading to success even though the only evidence you have is failure if the only evidence you have is another learning process tell me how much easier it gets oh there's another learning process there's another learning example i just learned what not to do cool How much easier is it then to say, I'm going to become a master of whatever your heart's calling is, and every single time I go out to do anything, I'm either going to learn or succeed. I'm either going to win this game or I'm going to learn. And learning is the name of the game, isn't it? It's a journey. This game is a game of self-discovery. It's all about learning who you are. It's all about learning who you are. So I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn. All of it serves me on my purpose of self-discovery. If I don't stop. Now, tell me how you perceive entrepreneurship. I hope something I've said has helped you here today. If you haven't discovered your heart's calling, then what a fun game you're playing. If you have discovered your heart's calling, then what a fun game you're playing. We are different cars on the same road. (laughs) Different... Neighbors in the same neighborhood. Different waves on the same ocean. My unconditional love to you. Be well. Be gentle.